0: You're listening to Worktape, episode 62. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Worktape Podcast. It's Kevin and Isaac back at the Command Center. Hey, I'm back. Yes, you are back. <laughs> You're very much back. How, how was your week?
1: It was very hectic, but I think I did pretty well.
0: Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're in education, obviously.
1: Yeah, I was in the library trying to catch up on some work.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of catching up to do. My phone got smashed over the weekend. Oh, dang, that sucks. By myself. Ooh, that's always worse. <laughs> yeah, so thankfully it wasn't as expensive as it could have been. Yeah. All right. But um, something else got ruined. Oh, what, what happened? 40, 40 years ago. Mm. Yeah, uh, disco. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I Here like that go. segue. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, walk us through that because, you know, I have a lot to say about that as well. All right, so
1: I had mentioned that there was an over-commercialization of disco in the late 70s, and people got so fed up with it to the point where they went out and gathered to one spot, tossed in their records, and just broke them, stomped on them, set them on fire, whatever. You know, they were fed up with it. And uh, that was the day that disco died, quote unquote. Mid-1979, I believe.
0: Yeah, right. That was uh, yeah. off the <laughs> wall and Risqué by Sheik. So yeah, I think disco by that point had already, you know, it reached its peak. It did. It was
1: everywhere, even like disco remixes of previous songs.
0: You know, disco turned into... I feel like disco evolved but devolved into a remix genre. Yeah. That ticks me off. (laughs) (laughs) It just ticks me off. Like, when you listen to classic disco... Okay, so what happened to disco... And people will hate me for this. They will destroy me for this. And I do not care. I think what happened with disco is the same thing that happened with country. I think it was a lot more authentic. It was more genuine. Mm -hmm. Disco, for sure... It's kind of always been a a highly commercialized genre. it really was it was I mean disco is very synonymous with hits mm-hmm. and it was like that during the seventies, and it kind of continued through the eighties like that, but no, like disco hits, like you always hear about disco hits, like it's almost like disco songs were bred to be a hit, yeah, but something about it worked. It was very commercialized because they figured out the formula, yeah, there was a formula. It actually really was. I mean, I think Disco was the second iteration of Pop. Okay. If you took... Okay. Let me stop for a second. (laughs) I believe... This is more theoretical than anything, like pretty much everything on this podcast. I mean, I still do my research, but I feel like I have a position where I can give my educated opinion, so to speak. I believe the earlier... Like probably early Pop, I would consider was like maybe Perry Como and Frank Sinatra but I don't want to think about that too much. Okay. I think the true pop genre when it first started was doo-wop. I believe that was yeah. like true pop. Okay, yeah. I I I can get behind that. Like uh what was it? Hey not enough, my boyfriend's back. That huh, one. Okay. The doo-wop, you know, 50s, that to me is classic pop. Right. Or uh, uh Okay. <laughs> yeah, and like like that is so I mean, you can trace pop all the way back to that, and it's basically the same idea. Mm-hmm. It's a very distinct verse and chorus, and it's very layered with vocals in the choruses. I mean, like the choruses are so obvious. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that was like the beginning, in my opinion. I know we can go back to 30s and even the 20s. Oh, yeah. It all has its traces. It all has its traces. Songs have existed forever, right? Yeah. But the pop song, I think, really took hold with doo-wop in the 40s, 50s era. Mm-hmm. And because Doo-Wop is really related to Motown, Motown and and Doo-Wop are pretty similar. Okay. Motown, I consider still kind of that first iteration of pop, but it's an evolution. Mm -hmm. Motown, I feel stripped down. It didn't have as much reverb. Doo-Wop had a lot more reverb. And I think Doo-Wop was more rock and roll focused. Doo-Wop, I feel like Motown was almost kind of getting rid of that more rock and roll type vibe. Like setting the stage, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I was setting the stage. I think that pop truly continued on with um, Motown. All right. And so you know where this is going. Motown clearly Mm -hmm. evolved into disco. Yeah. Clearly. Oh, yeah. We could talk about funk. We could talk about James Brown Mm -hmm. because that's Motown, but I mean, it's also funk. And so Motown and funk tend to get used interchangeably. You take the Jackson 5, I mean, funk, right? Yeah. There's also um, Soulful Strut. And then there's also... (laughs) <laughs> express yourself. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, disco came from that type stuff, from funk, from Motown. It was a more simplified format and it was a more straightforward format, hence being the poppier or the poppiest iteration of that. Yeah, I can agree. And so it evolved into what I would say classic pop, It evolved into what we got with Michael Jackson, what we got with Chic, Mm -hmm. Average White Band. Yeah. The, you know, the Commodores and... Right.
1: Yeah. And I think what survives more than like, if we're, you know, circled things back to disco again, I think what survives most about it to today's time is more of like the instrumentation, the vibes that the instruments create now. Because a lot of those influences, I mean, they say that disco died, but it didn't really die. No, it didn't die. It came back in a different form.
0: Yes. Yes, it did. It definitely. It did not die. No, it didn't. It no. didn't die. But it definitely stopped evolving. Yeah. I mean, it, it stopped evolving stylistically and it started evolving more with like culture. Disco as we knew it, at least. Sure.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. As we knew it, it stopped. But its influences kind of carried on to other genres as well. There was, you know, like the house genre that was emerging yeah, at the time. Yeah,
0: you're correct. Yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. Like the Chicago scene.
1: Yeah, some of the UK stuff also. They took a lot of our ideas with that as well. And that kind of goes back into the whole drum and bass I talked about. I don't know how long ago now. But back to the uh, disco stuff. um, Even some of the vibes even survive in future funk now. Like if anybody's familiar with some of the vaporwave genres or subgenres.
0: I do know of vaporwave. And I kind of always complained that I felt it was too derivative. Yeah. But it's actually pretty good. I can't hate on it.
1: The early days, that's kind of the point. It was derivative. It was basically taking existing pieces, stretching them, warping them, whatever, destroying the very foundation of it and turning it into something else.
0: So the fault of it wasn't the genre. It was more that I had this individual who like was trying to hype it up and like, oh, it's something new. And I think that's what rubbed me the wrong way. And I know you're not telling me it's something new. Yeah. But to those people who were like, oh, this is something (laughs) new. I was like, this is not new.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. It's definitely not new. But it's
0: cool. It is cool.
1: Yeah, it's cool what they've done with it, or at least now. I mean, I've listened to some of the earlier stuff. I'm like, man, what is this? I mean, I get it now. Looking back at it, it's like, yeah, that was the point, you know, to really question what it is that you're listening to. But some other artists, they thought to actually make something out of it and something legitimate because it started off as a joke, really. But somebody out there thought, you know what, this could be something. Let's make it into something, and then all the different subgenres started to branch out. I mean, you got synthwave, you got future funk, you got
0: synthwave. That was the one that who was trying to push on me. Yep. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yep, okay. synthwave. Yeah, no,
1: it's not new at all.
0: <sighs> I, yeah, no, it just definitely it, not. it gets old. You see the you see the um
1: maybe the techniques are new, but a lot of its source or maybe not its source because some of it is synthesized just. Out of
0: it's just the romanticization of the past but trying to yeah. act like something new and i think that gets old it becomes cheesy okay. it's like what muse did it's a visual aesthetic as well and so the synthwave aesthetic what muse were doing with um remember they did that 80s themed album
1: mm, i'm trying to think
0: Synthwave, what comes to mind, it's one that
1: shows up on YouTube with a DeLorean with this flashing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the one you're
0: thinking of?
1: <laughs> Remember Night Rider? Night Rider. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think so. But some, okay. But I, I get the general idea,
0: though. <laughs> Remember, uh, what was it? Magnum P.I.? <laughs> you got the guy with the mustache, no beard, and he's got yeah. like the floral
1: oh sure. okay,
0: okay okay and he's like they always live in florida or hawaii
1: yeah something like that yeah no i showed the um that video to my brother the one with the delorean with the uh, neon lights all over the place yep and he's saying this cannot be any more 80s and as soon as he says it everything in the image became just wireframe image of that typical like purple pink color and even the car itself became wireframe and he's looking at me like bro it's more 80s now.
0: <laughs> Simulation Theory. Okay. That was the album. And they did the, the classic face, you know, like you have multiple faces on the cover. It looks like a movie. I'm the only person on the planet who despises that aesthetic with how overdone it is. All right. That's valid. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm very well known for being the odd man out. It's fine. <laughs> I can hold my own because All right. I know what I like. Yeah. But it gets old for me and it just becomes so predictable. But musically, it was still a cool record. It just, it gets so tiring to see the same pink and blue. And, and it's like, it just, to me, when I hear that, I feel like the person has no, I don't know, maybe this is me being just totally condescending and a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I'm a critic, so I guess that's just how it is. But I often feel like artists like that don't really have an idea what they want to do. I feel like it's kind of like pick an art. You know, like, I'm just going to pick one. I'm going to pick an aesthetic to do because it's been done before and it's safe. Hmm. And I guess for me, it's too safe. I've heard way too many bands doing that. Again, I'm furthering this. Mitch would destroy me for this. <laughs> he will hear this and he will get so mad at me. But it's cool. I like that we can, like, have our differences. Mm-hmm. So I like differences. Um, I thought Blinding Lights was terrible. Okay. <laughs> and this is not that it's terrible. It's actually not a terrible song. It's
1: just what you think. It's
0: way too predictable. I just don't okay. like it. I just feel like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I didn't like it and I just felt it's the same old samples I've heard before that, you know, that same, I like that sound but I just felt and you know, Weekend has a, um. at least I don't know who his producers are mm-hmm. but the people behind the Weekend sounds, I think that was his weakest sound. I think it was his most popular. Sure. I'm not talking about the popularity here. I'm talking yeah. about artistically. Yeah. I think it was artistically bankrupt compared to his other stuff. So, no, I'm not saying The Weeknd has never done anything interesting. I'm saying out of all of the stuff i heard from The Weeknd, I felt like that was one of his weakest efforts. If we're talking about evolving in, in artistry. Because, okay. let's be honest, what he ended up doing was trying to mimic the whole thriller mm-hmm. vibe. Okay, Michael Jackson, and then it's the synth wave. And I'm like, okay. And like, he's not
1: the first to try.
0: No, no, he's not the first to try. And this is the same issue I had with Bruno Mars. Mm. Oh yeah, because yeah. he was doing the same thing with James Brown, Michael Jackson. Like he's yeah. like, I'm bringing the classics back. Like I don't want you to bring the classics back. I want you to do something different. That's how I felt. So, again, done with my rant. And you know, it's actually very interesting. Mm-hmm. I preferred other pop artists in that area. Like again, I, I know this is an unlikely hero for me, but Justin Bieber, because when he did something it didn't feel like he was trying to copy people from the past. It felt like he was trying to do something different, even if that meant that he sucked at it. Okay. It's true. All right. Because I don't think everything that Bieber did was great.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: but I see, I see where you're coming from. Even like his baby, baby, baby days, as corny as they were, <laughs> you can't say that you heard anything like that back in 1990 or 1980. No. Okay. No. So even though I didn't like it, I was like, oh, cool. Like, at least it's like pushing pop forward because... We wouldn't get other cool stuff in pop if it weren't for some of those duds.
1: Okay, I'll probably get destroyed for this as well. No, you
0: will get destroyed, so say it.
1: Yeah, I I probably will.
0: (laughs) And the
1: synth in Baby, uh, I was annoyed by it. I'm sorry, guys, but I was quite annoyed by it because just songs at the time were heavily overusing it at the time. (laughs) Yes, they were. They (laughs) really, really were. I heard some of like the, just in passing, like maybe someone's playing it in their car or someone blaring it on their phone or whatever. Just that synthy sound just was everywhere. Yes, it was. It still kind of is everywhere to a point, but lesser extent now. But back then it was so heavy.
0: It was heavy and T-Pain and Lil John were everywhere. Yes. Looking into your dorm room, like yeah, like <laughs> it's <is> like <laughs> it's like, bro, could you like leave? Okay, like, you know, like, every, right? I know, like I'm Dave Chapelling it because who hasn't done that? Who hasn't had fun with that? But um, that was a, a weird. Oh my gosh, those scents were weird. The late aught scents were weird. They were. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Like I'm
1: thinking of Newer gonna... speed underground now.
0: <laughs> so so we tend to segue, and you know, we always do that. But um back to what happened with the 80s. In fact, I think this was fine. I actually <laughs> we're gonna prolong it. I think it was good that we gave it an introduction to disco. Like we literally gave an introduction <laughs> to disco, like classic disco mm-hmm. and totally segue, which is fine. So let's go more into that the next episode. Kevin, thanks for being here and yeah, I'll see you next week. As always, good to be back, and I'll see you guys in the next one. You guys tune in next time on a Worktape podcast. Thank you for your listens, and we will be with you shortly. Peace.